Welcome to the teaching ministry of Prophet and Pastor Marvin Barham. Marvin has devoted his life to seeing the restoration of the New Testament church and the power of the Holy Spirit and Word of God in this generation. Open your Bibles as we join Marvin in one of his crusades from around the world. Well, this morning we're going to pick up where we left off last Sunday real quick. I don't, I'm not one to always do a a message of tradition, all right, Uh, because I think uh, I'd rather be led of the Holy Spirit than tradition, and I'd rather speak to where you are, not uh, where culture is, amen, or or anything else. And so we're going to pick up where we left off last Sunday. This will be part two of growing through the tough times. I may not get through all of it this morning, but I'm going to get through as much of it as I can, as quickly as I can for you this morning. But I think that this is a word from the Lord for each and every one of us, because we're all going through something at some level at some time. Amen? Amen. I don't care who you are, where you are, what you've been through, you're probably going through something. And if you're not going through something now, you will. You will. And you know, He promised. You know why I know you will go through something? Because He said you would. Right. Now there's two ways you can go through something. You can just go through it or you can grow through it. Alright? Now here's the problem though. You can grow one of two ways. You can grow hard or you can grow stronger in Christ. And unfortunately, most people, even Christians, when they grow, when they go through trials and circumstances in their life, they often, they go through them and they let their hearts grow cold. They let their hearts grow hard. That's why I think about this. Somebody offends you. Somebody does something that hurts you. And what do we tend to do? We take it what? Personal. Why not take it as an opportunity to grow? You know what that leads to? That's called maturity, Paul says. It's it's how you grow to the full stature of Christ. You see, the goal is, I don't want to just know Jesus. I want to grow in Jesus. Amen. Amen. I don't want to just have Jesus in me. I want Christ growing in me every day. Amen. Amen. In fact, again, let's look real quick at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. In Isaiah 43, verse 2, he says, let's just read it again. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. That's good. Notice he says, when you pass, not if, he says when. You pass through the waters and through the rivers, waters and rivers, that's two different words in the Hebrew. They shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, not if, when you go through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Let's break it down one more time in the Hebrew. The word pass is a bar. It means to advance. It means to move forward. And in other words, you don't, when you go through the waters, don't stop and stand in one place. Don't get stuck in the waters. Keep advancing. Keep moving forward. And I will be with you. He says, when you go through the waters, the word waters is mayim. It means dangers 
or temporary trials. I remind you, there is no trial in your life that is permanent. Amen. They're temporary. The Word of God is permanent. It's, it's eternal. He says, I'll be with you and through the waters. Or the Hebrew word is nahar. Means the surrounding flood and the expectations. They shall not overwhelm or shataf or sweep you away or inundate you. And when you walk through the fire is the word ish. It means the tumult of war or the destructive days. Remember, he's telling you, he's giving you heads up. There will be destructive days. You, there will be days of destruction. There'll be days that the enemy's trying to destroy you. There'll be days other people are trying to destroy things God is doing or has done. There'll be destructive days. There'll be days of your own destruction. Anybody ever recognize those? Oh, surely not. Surely not. Surely none of us have experienced self-destruction. Self-destruction starts usually with like, woe is me, poor me. Nobody knows my problem. Nobody can relate to me. Come on. I always fail. I'm a failure. I never. We use those words. We try to use very broad, eternal words. Well, I never. God never for me. And I, all, those people always. Come on. He says, you shall not be burned or kava, marked or blistered. And the flame, lachaba, the weapons of the enemy, shall not consume or bayar, destroy or make you dull of heart. Amen. Amen. So let me read it again to you with the Hebrew context. When you advance and move forward through the temporary trials... I will be with you. And through the surrounding floods and false expectations, they shall not sweep you away or inundate you. And when you walk through the tumults of war, the destructive days, you shall not be marked or blistered. You shall not be blemished. Come on. And the weapons of the enemy shall not destroy you or make you dull of heart. Amen. Come on. Notice that God does not say if, He says when. Neither did God say you would not feel the heat. Nor God never promised that you would never face difficulty, conflict, or trials. He did not promise that He would, He, that he did promise that He would be with you. He did promise that you would survive. He promised that you would, uh, that He would keep you and restore you in His grace and His goodness, even in the midst of the storms and the pain. Now listen, look with me in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. Do you hear the same context as Isaiah? Where do you think Peter got this concept? <laughs> Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. And though something strange... Listen, listen to what he says. Do not be surprised as if something strange were happening to you. I don't understand, God. I don't understand, God. Why me? 
I mean, I've been doing right. I've been paying my tithe. Why me? Am I right? Don't think it's strange when trials come your way. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings. You see, here's the problem. We make it about our sufferings. But listen, when you take your sufferings and you make them His sufferings, you give them to Him. They're not yours, they're His. He can carry them. You see, because we try to carry a lot of baggage that we were never meant to carry. So many people, so many of us try to carry things that God never intended us to carry. Your father failed you. You weren't meant to carry that baggage. Somebody disappointed you, abandoned you, rejected you. That was God didn't give you that baggage. You weren't meant to carry that baggage. And so we try to carry things and emotions and things we were never meant to carry. Give them to Him. Check them into the spiritual TSA. Put your name on it and check it in. And don't worry about it. Come on. He says, But rejoice that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. What did I say? There has to be an unraveling before, before there can be a revealing. You got to let God undo the mess, and He'll begin to reveal Himself in the midst of your mess. We want Him to reveal Himself when everything's going our way, but it's in the mess that He can reveal Himself. Listen, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Don't bring suffering upon your own self. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is, it is time for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do, not, who do not obey the gospel of God. And if the righteous is scarcely saved, scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust, listen to him, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator Come on. Come on. while still doing good. Well, God, I'm going through trial. I got to withdraw. No. Not the plan of God. No. <clears throat> no, he says, glorify God and trust your soul to Him, yes. to a faithful Creator, yes. and keep doing good, Blakely. Keep doing good. Amen? Amen? You see, pain is part of the process. Look at your neighbor and say, pain? pain. Part of the process. <laughs> we don't like it. But Gabriel, you don't get all buff and bowed up without some pain, do you? Huh? 
<laughs> it takes some pain. Feel it all the time. I remember I used to lift weights and man, I'd come out and my muscles all tight. You know, it feels good, don't it? And you walk different. You kind of walk with your shoulders back, you know. You know, you ever seen young men? I don't know about us old guys. You know, some of us come out and we're still like this. You know, young men have to come out of the weight room. Their arms are all like they're floating. They got a little, a little sway in their step, you know. You know I'm right, don't you? Mm, mm, yeah. My pecs are all like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, what happened to me, I come out of the weight room and yeah, you know, I get home, my wife loved to go. And I'd go, ow! <laughs> don't do that. And she got some kind of sick pleasure out of that. I don't know. Ow! It'd be sore for days. Days. You gotta let those muscles regenerate. You drink all the protein and all that stuff. Pain's part of the process. It is what lets you know that the fleshly things of this life are outside of His design. It reminds us of the goodness of God and His faithfulness. It reminds us of what is what the uh, what is of eternal value and what is not. You see, our natural tendency is to avoid pain at all costs. I never understood the desired concept of self-inflicted pain, such as running. <laughs> My boss the other day was talking about he had surgery on his foot and he's a marathon runner and he, he just bugging the doctor, can't wait to find out when he can start training and running again and get ready for a marathon and all this and I said, I'll run with you. In my truck, I'll follow right behind you. You can do it. Don't quit. You can win. You know, so. But that's our tendency. That may be why I, uh, my shape is round and not something else. Amen. So how interesting is it when we seek to avoid self-inflicted pain that's our natural tendency. But so often we remove the strength, the restraints to afflict pain on others. With our words, with our attitudes, and with our actions. Isn't that interesting? We don't want self-inflicted pain, but we will remove the strengths. And we'll let things come out of our mouth. We'll do things. We'll pursue gossip. Tailbearing, false witness, attitudes. Everybody say, say this with me. Say sin. sin. Always manifest Always. in an attitude. You see, God is not the author of your pain and sorrow, but He is the deliverer from it. God receives no satisfaction when you go through pain, but He's glorified when you grow through it. And as God's people, we should never be the author of pain for others. You should never be the author of someone else's pain. C.S. Lewis said this, Mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain. 
but it is more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent, the frequent attempt to conceal mental or emotional pain increases the burden. It is easier to say my tooth is aching than to say my heart is broken. As for the pain we face, if you cannot avoid it, why not grow through it for the glory of God? In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. How do we grow through the tough times? Peter's telling us. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Take on the mind of Christ. How did He endure the cross even in the flesh or His soul or His spirit? Because of His trust in the faithfulness and the goodness of His Father. Not in my will. In His surrender. And folks, it's, there's two parts. It's not just knowing that He's good and trusting that He's good. Trusting in His faithfulness. That's well and good. But there's part two. Surrender. Not my will, but Your will be done. See, the victory and the strength of the cross was won in the garden. With surrender. You see, the biggest battle in growing through tough times is fighting the way you think. It is fighting against the internalized lies such as no one else experiences what I do. No one else can understand my circumstance, my situation. No one else has faced what I am facing. Nothing will ever change. Nothing will ever change. That is an open-ended, hopeless word. Nothing will ever change. How about God is always the same instead? Come on. And so we buy these lies. And what they do is they call us to withdraw. They cause us to withdraw. They cause us not to seek uh, help or godly impartation from others. And, and instead we just wallow in it. This is a hopeless situation. You ever said that? Again, listen to this. Voices lead to choices. Say that with me. Voices lead to choices. Whatever voices you're listening to, they will affect the choices you make. And bad choices never lead to good outcomes. You listen to the right voice, make the right choice, and reap good fruit. Amen? Voices lead to choices. Bad choices lead to bad ones. Some choices do not have an undo button. How many of you know that? Abortion does not have an undo button, but God can fix and heal. Suicide does not have an undo button. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. So it's important to vet the voices and listen to the voice of the Lord. The strength of the voice of Christ's Lordship will affect the outcome of your actions. Listen, again, C.S. Lewis said, for you will certainly carry out God's purpose. How many know that? You will certainly 
carry out God's purpose however you act. But it makes a difference whether you serve like Judas or like John. You can either serve like Judas or you can serve like John. I'd rather serve like John to the end. You see, this type of thinking leads to the next obstacle in growing through the tough times in life. And that is fear. John, 1 John, look at 1 John chapter 4.18. 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Come on, say it with me. Say, perfect love casts out all fear. So, if you are walking in perfect love, you're not worried about what people think about you. If you're walking in perfect love, you don't gossip. You don't do those things. If you're walking in the perfect love, you have hope for tomorrow. No matter what the doctor says. Come on. Because tomorrow doesn't end in 24 hours. Listen, today doesn't end in 24 hours and tomorrow starts. Through the mind of Christ. Tomorrow is eternal. In other words. My tomorrow is in the hands of God. And the tomorrow after that. And the tomorrow after that. And when I take my last breath. I still got a tomorrow. It's an eternal tomorrow. I can hope every day. Amen. As the song says. Fear is a liar. You have to throw the liar of fear in the fires of faith. Let me say that again. <laughs> you got to throw the liar of fear in the fires of faith. The best way to throw fear in the fires of faith is to take responsibility where responsibility is yours. See, we sing the song, throw fear in the fire and, and all these songs, you know, this is how I fight my battles. Right? But we don't want to take responsibility where responsibility is ours. You remember three strong, three strong young men of faith faced the fear and the fire, didn't they? Yet they held firm for they held firm to the responsibility of their faith in Father. Look in Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter 3. We see these young men. This is how they fought their battle. In fact, it says, when old King Nebi looked in there, he said, didn't we bind them? Didn't we tie their hands up? Why are they walking around free? Didn't we tie their feet up? Come on, say this with me. Sometimes the fire... Set you free. Come on. They were put in the fire with their hands and feet bound. But the fire set them free. And it says they were walking around. What were they doing? They were doing the same thing they always do. The word walk in Hebrew is halak. It means a lifestyle. The way you live day to day. They were walking around in the fire. The same way they lived in God every day. The fire didn't change it. The fire did not dictate their theology. Don't let your circumstances dictate your theology. 
Don't let your situation dictate who you know God is. Amen. Daniel chapter 3 verse 17 and 18. Look there with me. If this be, this is what, now they're Babylonian names, y'all probably know them, Rack, Shack, and Benny. Right? But they didn't follow by their Hebrew name, their, their Babylonian names. They didn't follow it by, they didn't, they, they held fast to the names God gave them. Hananiah, Azariah, and Meshiel. Right? Because, listen, Shadrach meant the God of the moon God. The command of the moon God. Meshiach meant who is what Aku is. Aku was a Babylonian God. Abednego was the... Um, it spoke of the servant of Nabu. How many of you remember of Star Wars and the planet Nabu? See, they slipped that in there. That was named after this same Babylonian God. Because they built that movie from all different religions. Even ancient ones. But their, their Hebrew names, Hananiah means Jehovah is gracious. Meshiel is who is like my God. Jehovah who is my provider. Azariah is Jehovah is my help. My deliverer. My redeemer. Hananiah spoke of the priestly authority and praise of God. Uh, Meshiel spoke of the kingly uh, dominion and reign that God has over all things. And Azariah referred to that of the prophet. The prophets. Amen. But look what he says. If this be so, our God whom we serve. The word serve there in the Hebrew is palak. It means who we worship and minister for. Who we cleave to. Who we what? Debach. We grab hold of Him and we won't let go. You can throw us in the fire, but we're going to cleave unto our God. We're going to cleave unto who we know. We're going to debauch unto Him. So, even if you throw us in here, He is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Amen? Wow. Fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Look at there, Proverbs 28, 13. It says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. This is how you grow. This is how you fight your battles. This is how you grow through the trials. You throw fear in the fire. You think like Christ. And next you've got to confess. You gotta, there's got to be an, un, an unraveling, an unveiling. You, got, you can't hide stuff. Come on. Come on, there's no secret sin, is there, Woody? There's no secret sin. That's a lie. That's a lie from hell. That you're going to hide something from God. You can't even really hide it. You can't hide it from the prophets. I, I just know. It just amazes me how people think they can hide things. They get around me think they're going to hide something. It was so funny. I had to sit in job interviews this past week. And we got 
We sat in the longest job interviews I've ever sat in in my life. An hour and a half job interview. 30 questions we asked. It was intense. And technical questions. So while, while my, my boss and this other fellow are asking all these technical questions, when the, when the first guy got up and left, I said, they said, what do you think about him? Well, you know, first they shared their opinion about his technical knowledge and all that. And I said, well, this is what I, they said, what do you think about him? I said, well, he's, uh, he's been recently divorced once. He's got uh, two kids. He's got, he's, uh, he was extremely nervous because he's, he just, he beats himself up. He's overcome with fear and he's struggling and his life has been kind of chaotic and he's trying to put pieces. And they're like. <laughs> Those weren't in the question. They said, How do you know all this things? I said, It's what I do. <laughs> so the next one came in, and he's in the interview, and they ask each other, Well, what do you think? Well, he. Technical knowledge and yada, yada, yada. And they said, they turned like this. <laughs> Would you read on that one? <laughs> I said, folks, it ain't reading. It's learning to discern people's spirit where they are through the, through the spirit of the Lord. And that's probably going to be more relevant when you're hiring somebody and then their technical knowledge. Because you got to learn to discern their character. Where they stand, who they are, what they stand for. Come on. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5, verse 18. Come on. You can't hide nothing from God. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. People say, well, I'm, I've been listening. I've been talking to God, trying to hear His will. And I just and, and the answer I get is nothing. No, the problem is He's not saying what you want to hear. Go on, be real with yourself. Quit lying to yourself. He ain't saying what you want to hear. Well, start by recognizing your responsibility and identifying your blessings. Learn to be forever grateful. Where there is thankful, thankfulness, there is contentment. Where there is discontentment, there is no gratitude. Where there is a lack of gratefulness to God, there is a pursuit of affirmation and validation elsewhere. If you're not grateful and thankful for God and what He's given you and put in your life already, they, you'll grow in discontentment and ungratefulness and unthankfulness. And pretty soon you will seek affirmation and validation somewhere other than in God. Amen. And that's where you really get in a mess. Either you seek it through things or other people. Trying to please others only adds to the struggle of going through the tough times. Look in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. In Galatians 1 10 it says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? Come on, say, I, wanna be, I don't want to be a man pleaser. I want to be a God pleaser. 
Can you play that Petra song no, for me? No, I'm just kidding. Don't play it. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Come on. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would, I would not be a servant of Christ. You can't please men and God at the same time. Trust me. I've tried it. You can't do it. Don't work. Don't do it. Don't do it. Got a t-shirt. Tore it up. Burned it. <laughs> You'll never operate in your gifts. You'll never fulfill your destiny. You'll never walk in. You'll always walk in a false identity as long as you try to be a man pleaser. In fact, the man pleaser is hard to even be a Christian at all. Because he is so easily swayed by what's popular, what's of the highest opinion. He'll compromise his morality in the midst of the crowd or to seek his personal gain or the affirmation and accolades of others. And so it's really hard. It's almost virtually impossible to be a man pleaser and be a Christian at the same time. Wow. Wow. You see, you can't please God and man. Jeremiah 17 verse 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Whose heart turns away from... Wait a minute. Whose heart does what? Turns away. That implies that a man was going in the way of the Lord and did an about face and sought the way of man. Wow. You see, if you seek only to please the Lord, I mean truly, truly be all in to please God with your heart, with your thoughts, with your attitudes, with your actions, with your relationships, service to the Lord and so on, then the pressure to be a man pleaser has no place in the process God is taking you through. And instead of just going through tough times, you can grow through tough times. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. I'll never forget when I retired from the army. I, I, my, I was sitting there one day at work and my dad called me and said, Son, I was praying and the Lord says, Time to retire. I just put my lieutenant colonel packet in. I just put my packet in. And, and, and somebody over at Parsonette said, Marvin, you're going to get selected. You're going to get selected. You're going to get promoted, Lieutenant Colonel. And I said, but God just told me to retire. <laughs> and boy, you think that didn't hurt my ego. Messed up my plans. So I did. And, and so I went to God. I said, God... You know, that government check show is nice. It comes every two weeks. That lieutenant colonel pay show is good. That GS-12 pay show is good. And the Lord said, you got to give that up. Give it up. Take a big old pay cut. 
At our church, we down there on MacArthur Drive in that little 2,400 square foot building. Had about five or six families. Several of them didn't have jobs. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I said, Lord, Lord, it's not that I don't trust you, God. You ever have those conversations? Like the Lord don't know where you're fixing to go. <laughs> Let me build my case, God. And not that I don't trust you. I don't trust your people. And I could not hear in my own words that I was a man pleaser. That I trust in the flesh. See, sometimes you've got to be unraveled for things to be revealed. It's true. And I said, God took me to where the prophet went to the woman who had nothing but a little flour, little oil. And God said, I'm going to take a woman who has nothing, nothing, and I'm going to meet all your needs. And when I meet all your needs, I'm going to bless her. And not just her, her generations to come. Amen. Thank you, Lord. But it all, it begins with your obedience. Yes. And so I'll never forget. I said, well, what I got to do is I got to set up meetings like my dad did. And I got to go preach all around the country for two weeks. And so I set up all these meetings in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I just went through the highways, you know, from interstate to interstate to Houston, Texas, down to Mississippi, over to Memphis, over to here and just traveling. And, and my first meeting in Houston, Texas, Sugarloaf, Texas, one of the wealthiest communities in Houston, put up, isn't it called Sugarloaf? Isn't that right? Sugarland, Sugarloaf, either way. Just, you know what? It's my honey on my biscuit over here. <laughs> Yeah, Sugarland. Anyway, it wasn't very sweet. Let me just put it to you that way, because we get there and this big, huge glass cathedral. You know, big, gorgeous building. There were there wasn't a Honda or a Chevrolet in the parking lot. They were Mercedes. They were Jaguars. I mean, you know, BMWs. These high dollar. And I walk up in there, and the pastor took me in his back office and. He said, now that's a Wednesday night and we, we have a very small crowd on Wednesday night and, uh, you know, so uh, we'll take up a little offering for you and all that and, uh, you know, we'll just see what God does. That's okay. And he asked me a little bit about my background and asked me if I was of a certain denomination. No. And so anyway, get out there. And he had taken up. They, when we got out there, the church was packed. Church was packed. And they did the praise and worship. And then he took up an offering. He said, we, we're going to take up an offering. This is Brother Marvin's first time out ministering since his retirement. He's got family and all that. We're going to take up an offering for him. And he took up an offering. And then I preached. And when I was done preaching, I started to go prophesy and minister to people. And he ran over, jumped up, and grabbed the microphone out of my hand. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Right there for all the people. And I was I felt so low. And I said, well, what, what do you mean? He said, I can't let you do that. Well, I don't understand. He said, well, you're not of our denomination, so I can't let you prophesy to the people. I said, do what? 
you're going to say, you let me bring the word of God, but you're going to silence the prophetic voice of the Lord. These people came to hear from God. There's, there's people's marriages falling apart and everything else. And God wants to speak into their lives. And you're going to silence it? He said, sorry. And this whole conversation takes place in front of all these people. And he sets me down. And then when the sir, he closes the service and he pulls out of his pocket this envelope sealed with my name on it. He says, there's your offer. He said, okay. We get in the car with my friend that had kind of arranged the meeting and it was his pastor. He said, what did my pastor give you? I said, I don't know. I opened it up and it was a check dated two weeks earlier. For $200. He said, I understand that. He said, I put $1,000 in offering myself. He said, I'm going to talk to him. I get back to my room and I knelt down before God. And I wept on my knees. I wept and I said, God, is this how it works? Is this ministry? Is this faith? Is this how it works, God? Is this how you're going to take care of my family? And God said, so go to Thessalonians. Look what Paul said. Paul said, I speak to you as a man entrusted with the gospel. Not to please God. huh? Not to please men, rather. But to please God. Who test my heart. He says, son, did you not think I would ever give you an assignment without first testing your heart? Every assignment begins with a sacrifice. Every assignment, I will test your heart. Not once, not twice, but I will test it again and again. And yes, this is how ministry works. I, can't, I won't do it any other way. And men who try to do it any other way are outside of my design. Because I always test the heart. And I always require sacrifice. Yes, this is how it's done. Wow. You see, you were never finally, you were never meant to go through life or tough times alone. Matthew 18, 20 tells us, for where two or three are gathered. You were never meant to do life alone. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Hebrews 3.13 affirms, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Don't let your heart grow hard. You see, you have to resist the urge to withdraw and disconnect. You have to stay relationally connected. It is amazing how the spirit of self-reliance and independence grows in our pride when we are facing tough times. We don't want anyone to know our business. And if we were honest, it is because we do not trust others. We don't know how to deal with, to do real relationship God's way. Or we're too prideful. Listen, you might make, make it through some tough times alone, but you may not come out the healthier for it. God intended for us to be connected to help carry one another's burdens. You see, in many cases, you may not be able to pick your trials, 
But you can choose your character. You can't pick your trials, but you can choose your character. You may not be able, and let me just say this, you can choose your sin, but you can't choose the consequences. You may not be able to pick your persecution, but you can choose to hang on to your Christ. You may not be able to change some outcomes, but you don't have to live defeated. Amen. You may not recognize sometimes that you are growing through the tough times. It may seem like a nightmare or a dream. But if you trust in the goodness of God, if you hold fast to the integrity of your faith, God will carry you through the natural and supernatural means of which you may not see. I'm going to close with this. Acts chapter 12. You know, the church was going through great persecution. In fact, Josephus says that, that uh, in, in one hour, 30, over 30,000 Jews and Christians were slaughtered in the streets of Ephesus. Then in, on in Corinth and Galatia and others. And, and, it's, and Josephus was a, a, a Roman historian. He was a Jew. And he said that the blood of the Jews and Christians flowed in the streets like a river. But yet, the Holy Spirit of God still moved. In Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. He was going through a tough time. Going through a trial. Now when Herod heard, now when Herod was about to bring him out, On that very night, he was going to kill him. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And centuries before the door were guarding in the prison. So they got Peter chained up. And outside the doorway are two guards. And these guards can't fall asleep or they get killed. They'd die if something were to happen and Peter escaped. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. And a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him up and said, Get up, boy! (laughs) Wake up! He might not have said it with a South Arkansas slang, but you get the idea, right? He woke him up. He struck Peter on the side and said, Get up quickly! And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself. In other words, put your identity that Christ put on you. Put your garments on, O man of God. And put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. See? He was like Audie Murphy. Follow me. And he did not know that what was being done. Look, watch this. He did not know he was in the grove. Say, say, he did not know he he was fixing to grow. He was fixing to grow. That what was being done by the angel was real. Sometimes we don't realize the reality of the supernatural reality of God. But he thought he was seeing a vision. Thought he was groggy. And when they had passed 
the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. It just flung open. And they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. And when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure. Now I'm sure. No, I wasn't before, but now. Now I'm sure the Lord has sent His angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Woo! Are you understanding this? Let, 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 me, let me just show you real quick what happened here. Woody, come here. Gabe, come here. So here's the two guards. Stand right there. Come here, uh, Mark. Mark gets to be the angel of the Lord. So come in between them. Here's Peter. He's all chained up. Come. And the chains fall off. Hit me. In the side. Mm. Wake up. Wake up. Let's go. He said, follow me. Okay, I'll follow you. Now watch what happens right here. We just, Peter, stepped from the natural into... These guys are awake. That's right. Peter just went from the natural. When the chains fell off, he stepped into the supernatural. Wow. This is what it means to really trust God. Wow, okay. Is this real? God, are you really doing this? The angel's gone. He left. He went on back to his seat. Thank you. Suddenly, come on. That's what happened. He went from the natural to the supernatural, back to the natural to do what he was called to do. The natural had him bound. But once he experienced the supernatural and he went back to the natural, he said, I didn't know before, but I know now. Because I have encountered the supernatural reality of God. Wow. You see, the Apostle Peter got a taste of what it meant to grow through tough times. How do you grow through the tough times? Keep your perspective. Keep your eyes on that which is eternal. Who we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What does he mean blood? He's talking about the supernatural power of Christ to redeem us. Because we do not wrestle against the blood of men. The, The sin that is in the blood of men. I don't mean sin in the blood. I'm going talking back to what Adam did. We don't wrestle with the curse. We don't wrestle with the curses. We don't wrestle against the curses. We wrestle against the power that's in the blood of Christ. We wrestle with it. Amen? Not against it. With it. That's how you grow through the tough times. Amen? Amen. Stand with me if you will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Wow. So, no matter what you're going through, Come on, if you're a mama and you've been, come on, you're a mama and you've been battling some spiritual battles for your children. 
You've been battling some spiritual battles for your family. Come on, maybe your husband or wife facing some spiritual battles. Maybe you're facing some spiritual battles at work. Come on. You need to be like Peter. Take on the mind of Christ. Step through the supernatural. Look around. Yeah, this is the real deal. This is my God at work. Amen. Trust Him. He's faithful. Don't run. Don't withdraw. Stay close. Move forward. Advance through the waters. They will not overcome you. They will not overtake you. He will be with you. Amen. When you're in the fire, do what you normally do. Worship God. But if you don't normally worship God, then you don't know what to do in the fire. Hello. If your daily routine is not seeking God, praising God, trusting God, hoping in God, thinking like Christ, acting like Christ, if that's not your normal, you won't do it in the fire. You'll just lean on the flesh. Think and act like Christ. Trust Him. He'll get through. He'll get you through. Purpose to grow. Come on, tell Him today. Just close your eyes with me and tell Him today. Lord, I purpose to grow. I purpose to grow stronger in You. I purpose to grow in Your Word. Purpose to grow in Your presence. Purpose to grow in your sacrifice and in your sufferings. That I might come to the full stature of Christ in my life. Come on, I remind you once again, it's not that Christ comes and helps you live your life. He came to help you die to your life and live His. You see, a lot of times we are struggling to grow in Christ through our hard times because we're still living our life. You quit living your life through the hard times and start learning to live His life through the tough times. You'll grow. You'll grow. You'll, You'll fulfill that which I have ordained for you, says the Lord God. Come on, I hear the Lord saying, if you will take on my life, says the Lord, if you will deny yourself, if you will take up your cross, if you will follow me, says the Lord God, I will get you through the waters. I'll bring you through the fire. I'll be in the furnace with you, says the Lord God. And I will, you will fulfill your identity. Even your cloak shall not be burned. You shall not be blessed. You shall not even smell like smoke, says the Lord God. For the identity of Christ shall be yours. You for it shall fulfill that which I have ordained for thee, says the Lord God. Come on, do it. Come on, Father, do it. Tell Him, Lord, do it in me. Do it in me. Do it in me, God. Come on, let you this morning you say, Lord, I want to grow. I want to grow. Come on, lift your hands to Him. Tell Him, Lord, I want to grow. I want to grow. I'm tired of being the same. I don't, I don't even like my response when I go through trials. I don't like who I am when hard times come. I don't like who I am. I don't like the, the, the things that come out of my mouth. I don't like the things that go in my heart. I don't like the things that roll around in my head. God, I want to I grow in You through the tough times. 
I want to come out praising you. I want to praise you through the midst of the storm. God, I want to praise you. I want you to be glorified. Be glorified in me, O oh God. That others may see your glory. And that even that that I have prayed for and interceded for, the glory of God shall touch it. The glory of God shall touch it. We pray today's message has encouraged and created a desire in you to be a better disciple of Christ. To order additional resources of Marvin's to include audio files, CDs, and books, or to schedule Marvin for your next conference, write us at 10321 Maumel Boulevard, North Little Rock, Arkansas, 72113, or visit us at www.marvinbarham.org.